Hey everyone, we're back with another episode of Go Ahead Mama. And today we have a really special guest. We have Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, who is doing amazing things across the board. And we're so excited to tell a little bit more about that later on. But just so we hit the highlights, I mean, this woman's a powerhouse. She's a board member of the William Morris Endeavor, um, runs their literary department, which is huge. And just does amazing, um, has amazing background, but also is starting an unconference entitled Together. And it's an opportunity for women like you and me to connect for an evening of storytelling about all the things we go through, heartbreak, hope, and finding purpose. And in all of this, Jennifer's also a mom of three, which is amazing. So with all that, Jennifer, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. We are excited to talk about all of the things that you are about. But before, we like to do a little bit of getting to know you before we get into the meat of the interview. And really, it's kind of getting to know what Jennifer likes to do outside of the work and family. Like, what are the things that make Jennifer say, oh my gosh, I'm so excited today? Um, Well, honestly, you know, I'm one of those people for whom the personal and the professional are very integrated. And so what I do professionally and what I love to do personally are sort of similar in that I love storytelling. So I love going to the movies. I love watching TV. I love, you know, sitting with my children's friends and hearing all the things that are happening in their world. Um, You know, I do like to run for exercise, but even when I'm going on my runs, I'm listening to a podcast. So I think it's interesting for me that I don't really, you know, I kind of think, you know, taking baths are my hobby. That's like the only thing I do where I'm not (laughs) focusing on storytelling on some level. Well, well, with storytelling, because I think that's powerful with both Kate and I being lawyers, one of the the interesting aspects is that most people don't really think of lawyers as storytellers, but essentially what we're doing, we're taking somebody's subject and really conveying to the world what that story is. At least that's why I became a, a, a an attorney a, a, in an idealistic way. Um, but tell us a little bit what the story is for Jennifer navigating from the field of um, literature, how you got there, um, ultimately working with William Morris, and then pursuing your own endeavors, including together. Like, what was the backstory there? Okay, great. So, um, for one thing. You know, I wasn't somebody who I would say like was remarkable out of the gate, at least not to the perspective of my teachers or, you know, the other kind of leaders in my community. I was a kid that was more in the back of the room asking people about what was going on at home with them and who they, who they liked and what their conflicts were about. I wasn't a great student. I wasn't a great reader. Um, and I wasn't somebody that you'd necessarily bet on to, uh, you know, go to the front of the class, so to speak. And, um, I think that that really in my early life, that idea that, you know, I wasn't specifically good about at anything. I didn't have some famous hidden talent, although I used to dream that one day I would discover I could sing opera or one day I would discover <laughs> that I was like a folk artist painter. I like I would take anything. Um, but really, I just love to connect with people and I love to hear what was happening. I could remember anything anybody ever told me. I mean, I literally could see somebody... Eight years after I'd seen them, you know, I'd met them at summer camp once and they told me a story about how their mother made them drink, you know, tons of lemon in the morning. And I'd be like, do you still drink lemon in the morning? (laughs) So, um, so I think that that's sort of, you know, that's little Jennifer's story. And I kind of, I would say to a certain extent, almost limped my way to college. And, um, and then once I got there, I discovered contemporary women's voices in literature, which I had no idea about. I mean, when I was first in my, first literature class my freshman year, we were studying Maya Angelou. And honestly, I had no idea that authors were even alive. 
Like、mm. I just, I was so far away from from understanding what it meant to be a contemporary writer. And so、um, we went into to a reading and heard Maya Angelou read from her book, and I, I felt like I was literally being transformed. I mean, I'm sitting there listening to her read from her memoir,、um, although the details were nothing like my own life. I was like, she's talking from my heart, you know, the desire、okay. to find true love despite the fear of abandonment or rejection, the desire to find an authentic path in life, and to hear your own voice, all these things. And so, I knew then that I wanted to. Build myself a life that would put me as close to storytelling and like the vulnerable truths that are being shared as possible. And、right. so when I got out of college, I heard about a literary agent, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds good." <laughs> I know I always thought I was going to be a lawyer too, but、um, I really just couldn't couldn't imagine going to more school. And when I heard about this whole literary <laughs> agent thing, I just jumped on it. Trust me, there, there are lots of pros and cons to every career. <laughs> exactly.、I'm sure. Exactly. But but with that,、um, you know, just thinking about. I guess the, going back to what it felt like when I first found out that I was、um, pregnant, and, and I think the story is similar for my co-host Kate. And it's kind of like it, it took us by. It, we knew that we were we were in the process of getting pregnant and all of that good stuff. You know, we know how the facts work, man, woman, and even in this、yeah. day's chemistry, you know, you're about to have a baby. Whatever, they, there's going to be a baby coming out of you somehow, some way.、Um, But how do you remember that feeling when you first found out you were you were pregnant for the first time or the second or、uh, yeah? Or,、um, I, well, I'll tell you the first time because actually you're the first person that's ever asked me this question. But it's a it's a a little bit of a kind of a wacky thing to say because I was 26 years old. Um, I, my husband and I got married when I was 23. I was so focused on my career, I had absolutely no idea that I was pregnant. And、um, this is probably not a very PC thing to say, but. I was like drinking. I remember it was the Academy Awards, and I was drinking with my <laughs> friends, and I just felt nauseous the whole time. And I thought to myself, "Oh, I hope this doesn't mean that like you're getting old and you're not fun anymore." Like I really had no clue. And、um, when I finally found out I was pregnant, I was crying through the whole time that the doctor was talking to me, and she said, "Oh, is this an unwanted pregnancy?" And I said, "Oh no, no, it's not unwanted. It's just a total surprise. Like、shock. it wasn't."、Yeah. I was in shock. I was in shock, and the whole way through that pregnancy. I kept saying, like, I, if someone told me I was getting a new wardrobe when I gave birth, <laughs> that I could be excited about that. But getting a baby, I don't even—I was the youngest in my family. I, I'd never held a baby. Yeah, yeah. And so,、um, you know, I kind of—I was sort of, sort of in shock through the process. I loved being pregnant, but I wasn't expecting to have what what I describe as like being Dorothy arriving at. at At Emerald City. I mean, the minute my daughter was handed to me, it was as if my entire—I was born. I was born again that day. I mean, my whole life transformed in the moment that she was handed for, to me. But I never saw it coming because it wasn't、right. like I wasn't that kid who dreamed of being a mom. Oh well, you know what? That, first of all, there's nothing PC about our show. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, that—that's that's the reason why we're doing this because for. For myself, in particular, that whole process of being pregnant—I'm not the worst. I'm—I'm I'm actually probably the worst pregnant person. And every time I'd walk up to someone and they'd say, "Oh my gosh, you know, aren't you so excited?" The initial reaction was kind of like, "No, I'm—I'm I'm actually quite afraid of what I'm about to get myself into."、Um, but it is something about that moment when you have this little person that's, you know. A part of you now forever that changes your perspective on things. So I'm curious, how did that? Did it change your perspective? Oh, complete, on completely. Completely. I mean, well, I just want to say you just reminded me of something. So I want to go back one minute before my daughter was born, which is to say that while I was in 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 the hospital in labor, her umbilical cord was tied around her neck, and、oh. they put. Yeah, she's perfect. She's twenty. She's gonna be twenty two in November. She's absolutely <laughs> perfect. But they put the um, they put an oxygen mask on my face. 
And I couldn't bear to have that mask on my face, but I knew it was for the baby's own good. So I, I made a little place for myself where I could breathe outside the mask on the, like, in, like in the corner of my mouth. But I was so afraid that my husband, who I've loved and knew for many years, was going to see that I was choosing my own breath over my baby's breath and mm. that he would like, he would judge me for that. So I was sneaking little, little breaths outside the oxygen mask because I just, I, I didn't know what it meant. I just, I, I couldn't conceive of it. And then the, then she was born and the nurse handed her to me and, and, and she latched right onto my, to my breast. And the next thing I know, I'm nursing this baby. My husband went out to get my mother and I don't know if he was gone for one minute or one year because by the time they came back into the room, I was utterly transformed. I mean, I was a mother person and everything about my life, you know, pointed towards, towards purpose and, and towards love and towards love, not just to my own child, but towards every child. I mean, mm. a few days later, I was walking with my newborn baby and I said, Oh, Hey, when did they put a park there in Washington Square Park? <laughs> and my husband said about 50 years ago, <laughs> oh. I had walked by that playground 50 times and I had never once realized there was a playground in there. <laughs> Well, it's, the story you tell about that minute before is, is interesting because how did, do you remember kind of struggling with that notion of choosing yourself over your child later on in those 22 years, you know, since having her? Is that something that yeah, came naturally I mean, afterwards? Well, I, I, I think I, again, since you're saying this is not a PC show, then great. I'm not particularly PC about the choosing between as a working mom, and I know you can relate to this, there's always a fine imbalance to choosing motherhood and choosing work. And, and I said to you at the beginning of the show that I'm a very integrated, my work life and my home life are very integrated. And the one thing that, you know, that the universe gave me that I'm so grateful for is I don't spend any time on guilt. I just don't because I think it's a useless emotion. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve your loved one. It's just energy that's like going down a, you know, an empty, empty hole. And so whenever I make my decisions, what, whether they be to be with my family over work or to be with my work over my family, whatever my priority is decided, I really, I make a practice of not looking back at that and not spending time regretting or feeling guilty. And so that's, I think, helped me because like for the first two years of my daughter's life, I insisted on giving her a bath every single night. And every night I would come home exhausted. You know what that feels like. And, and, and I'd have to clean the tub and then give her a bath. And then I remember one day when my son was my son was in the bath. My daughter at that point was five or six. And I was giving my son the rare bath because at that point I would let the babysitter do it all the time. And she came in and she said, oh, I don't think you ever gave me a bath. And it's like, oh, I actually gave you 365 <laughs> baths a year for two years. <laughs> I should have recorded every moment for you. Yes, exactly. So it just shows you that the things that you value as like good motherhood, they don't even necessarily, it's like that they don't care about that stuff in the same way. You know, they just want to be loved and accepted and known. And those are the things that matter, you know, more than, you know, how many baths you gave or whether you made your own baby food or whatever the hell else we make ourselves crazy about in those early years. Oh my gosh. Well, trust me, I needed to hear that because guilt is not something that I'm inherently good at ignoring. Um, and that's what my next question is. So is that a quality that Jennifer, the person had prior to becoming her mom, or is that something that you've evolved with over time? I evolved with it. I mean, I look, I'm a, I'm a Jewish girl from New York. I was raised <laughs> on a healthy, healthy diet of guilt, guilt yes. in all things, <laughs> guilt for everything all the time. And, um, and as soon as I had a child, it became very clear to me that that was not something that I wanted to pass on. And by the way, my mother is amazing. And she did, you know, she gave me more love and acceptance and possibility than anybody deserves. But having said that, she still loves that good, fresh dose of a bowl of guilt. <laughs> and um, I just knew that I didn't want to do that. And I, 
I believed that it was that it was something that I can control and I was correct about that because every time you feel that little blinking light of guilt, you just say to yourself, who's served by this? Who's served by this? And you realize nobody. Hmm. Ooh, okay, I got to pause on that one, Jennifer, you're speaking to me. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, so then if everything is kind of intertwined, like the professional and personal are all intertwined, um, let's talk about uh, just self-care a little bit because it sounds like professional and personal align well for you. Uh, you you're comfortable with that. So how are you, give, like, how are you continuing to make sure that your, your cup is full? Like how do you keep going? Excellent how does question. the energy going? Excellent question. So that's... I'm going to be 50 in February, so I'm a you know a whole other you know a whole other phase past probably a lot of the people that are that are listening to this. And self care and self love has been my biggest journey, and it's actually you know one of the reasons that when we get into the together tour, it's one of the main reasons I wanted to do that because you know that whole phrase about you know secure your own oxygen mask first that right. was a that that's been a journey for me, and. Every step of the way, learning to, for example, you know, go for my runs on the weekends. And there have been times when both my kids, or three of my kids, but particularly my two sons, don't go, please don't go. And it's like, I have to because when mommy goes for a run, she clears out her head and she keeps herself heart healthy. And that's one of the ways that I'm, you know, going to be able to be healthy and strong for you for the rest of your lives. And to sort of choose yourself first and give yourself the opportunity to heal and to be, and to care for yourself and then the self-love piece for me, which is the hugest thing. Because when you make a mistake or you're not where you said you're you know, going to be on time, instead of beating yourself up, which is what I would do for years and years, I eventually started to talk to myself in my head the way I would talk to a good friend. Hmm. Well, that's okay, sweetheart. You did your best. And right. you know, now that you know better, you're going to do better. And that's okay. And when I started to talk to myself that way, it kind of changed everything. Hmm. Where, where did you learn that? Well, where did you learn it? Well, I mean, I'm something that I've said before about myself is I'm not a thought leader by any stretch of the imagination, but I am a great thought follower. And what I mean by that is that I'm very capable of following the thoughts of of great thinkers and great thought leaders. And I'm a I'm a reader, and as you know, I'm in book publishing. And so, what I've done for the last you know 22 years is kind of read whatever I can get my hands on and listen to whatever I can get my ears around. And I take, you know, the deep truths that are being shared with me and I put them sort of deep in my heart and I make my own little good, strong broth. And, mm. and that's what, that's what I serve as my own brand of love, honestly, and to myself and to the people around me. Hmm. Well, uh, you're serving it right now, oh, Jennifer. Good. You're serving oh, it so right now. Sweet. Thank you. But as we, like you said, let's get into to this this unconference. I'm calling it, and, and I hope that's the right terminology because it's it's really a, a new way of thinking around a lot of these powerful conferences that happen that a lot of people can't have access to. So, so tell us a little bit more about together from the lips of the fa- from the lips of the founder to Terrific. our effect. And you said exactly the right thing. I wanted to take the wisdom from these small, exclusive rooms, and I wanted to shine it as far and wide in the most inclusive community-building group as possible. And that's the sort of the, the basis of Together. And that's why our tickets start at $25, which is you know basically the price of a movie and a pizza. Um, because we, to, the, Together, the to get Together Tour is a multi-generational, community-minded movement that is launching with a six-city tour. Uh, we've already done Portland, L.A., and Chicago. All of them were amazing. Monday night, we have New York. Wednesday night, we have Atlanta. And the following Monday, we have Denver. 
And we are gathering 25,000 people during the course of this event to get together and share stories to hone or create purpose. And then as a, as a, as a together family to go over that bridge of bravery into action. And the way we're doing that is by having four core speakers led by the great love warrior herself, Glennon Doyle Melton. Anybody who's not familiar with her should run out and get the love warrior right now, which is number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And it's the Oprah book club pick of the month. She's a powerhouse. She's unbelievable. I mean, you will be laughing through tears, holding hands with a stranger next to you, shaking your head up and down. I mean, she's, she's life changing. And mostly what she talks about is just sort of running towards the pain because on the other side of it is compassion, resilience, purpose, connection. And she really helps the audience kind of, you know, find themselves inside of her story. And um, I call that the story of me in the evening. And then we have Sean Korn, who's probably the most famous yoga expert in the world. And she's really talking about how do you breathe and what are you reacting to inside your body? And what are the triggers that are having you be reactive instead of sort of neutral in your own life? And, you know, she takes, takes us through some breathing exercises. And I call that section of the, of the evening the story of us, because once we all close our eyes, and breathe together when we open our eyes. We're just thousands of hearts beating as one. It's so powerful. And after that, we have um, Valerie Kaur, who's a uh, a Stanford Law graduate herself, but actually she's a Sikh. And after September 11th, her uncle was killed three days later in their hometown of Bakersfield, where they've lived for over a hundred years, just because he was wearing a turban. And so she became an activist as a result of suddenly having all Sikhs and Muslims be named as like public enemy number one. And instead of closing her heart and becoming fearful and hateful, she decided to practice what she calls revolutionary love, you know, opening her heart to the stories of all people and really kind of looking at what connects us as opposed to what divides us. And then we have Reverend Jackie Lewis, who's an extraordinary leader in the Black Lives Matter, just really kind of getting us all inspired and on our feet. And then at every place that we go, we have a special guest star um, who's purpose in action. So in New York, we have Alicia Keys. In Atlanta, we have Sierra. In uh, Portland, in uh, Denver, we have Abby Wambach. And so it's just a phenomenal evening. And through the course of the evening, we also do some exercises uh, created by our purpose partner, LifeReimagined.org, where we have each person designing their own manifesto statement, which is really just a fancy way of saying purpose statement, but we just think it's more... Badass when you say manifesto. Yeah, because it's coming into a new version of you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, again, Kate and I always have different perspectives, but for a lot of the women that I've grown up uh, respecting in my personal life, um, don't have a lot of, uh, how do I say, space and resources for self-care and to invest in certain things like this. So tell me, tell me what the takeaway is when you kind of walk into this room, say you're unsuspecting. Um, woman who's listened to Go Ahead Mama is now interested in buying a ticket. What are they, these women, what should they expect to take away from this event? Perfect. So what, the first thing that they're going to take away is the, the sense that there's, you know, enough, to, enough of everything to go around and that we're better together. In other words, there's enough healing, enough joy, enough money, enough success, enough happiness. And that when we put ourselves together and we use our magical power of storytelling to connect us and 
heal us and elevate us, that anything is possible. So first, it's just this sense of, you know, like the best, for me, it's the Bruce, Bruce Springsteen concert that I went to as a, you know, as a, as a, as a teen where you feel like everybody in that room is together and so connected. And so that's the first thing you're going to get is that sense of community. And then from there, um, we're really going to hone your purpose because it's my belief that purpose is not a luxury. It's not for some people. And it's not the same thing as talent. It's a, it's if you have breath, you will have purpose. And once you discover your purpose, your whole life takes a new sense of, of meaning. And, and when you're living inside your purpose, I believe that you can be overworked, but you don't get overwhelmed because you're serving that purpose. And then you're a better mom and a better wife and a better sister and a better daughter and a better citizen and a better neighbor. And so you're going to really walk away with a profound sense of why you're here. And then the third part of the, of the evening is that we download an app, which is called, which is Together Live, and you can get okay. it at the app store. And through that app, we're going to be keeping people together in together circles where they can meet in actual or stay virtual. And we'll be giving them original content, opportunities to see their purpose in action through volunteering, mentorship, social action, et cetera. So we're going to stay together and grow together. I think that mothers feel like, they just have to take care of their children, take care of their job, take care of their partners, and that's enough. And what I believe is that one of the reasons that so many mothers feel overwhelmed, you know, lonely, addicted, anxious, all of the guilt, all the things we're talking about is because they haven't stepped into their sense of purpose yet and their purpose beyond motherhood. Because motherhood is a huge piece of it, but to an extent, you know, we're all mothers to, to every child. Right. And that, you know, your child can't be well unless all children are well. And so once you really understand that this is, you know, we're all in a giant mosaic and we all have to play our parts, not just for our own family, but for our own community, for our own heart and for the world, then, you know, then you're isolated in that, in that belief. Once you connect to purpose and community, then action changes everything. That's how we'll change this world. Hmm. Awesome. I, I, I think that is, Telling, I think the point about purpose being um, something beyond motherhood and expanding upon your your purpose is something that a lot of listeners can relate to. Um, so tell us, uh, Jennifer, how can we learn more? Tell us the website, the social media links. Give us all of the information so that we can share this um, as much as possible to the to the cities coming up, Brooklyn. Um, we have Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Denver coming up. Perfect. And then for all of the uh, people that want to get online and do the kind of like the social component as well, tell us how to get Great. in touch with you. Well, we're at togetherlive.com. And on Instagram, we're at togetherlive. And you have all of our other information on the, on the site. And um, also, if you wanted to download, you don't, the, the app is free. And you don't have to come to an event to be part of our community. So you can download the app at the App Store at Together Live. And, um, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be continuing to, you know, get together and stay together. Once the show's over, we're going to do weekly webinars that are also free. So, you know, really it'd be amazing if you can come to one of our three cities, but if you, if you can't just join our community, we'll be back. Tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you want to hear, because this is really interactive. The, you know, the main thing that I want to say is that everything we see on the news right now is telling us how we're divided and how we have to build walls and, and, and defend. And I honestly believe that our magical power of storytelling connects us and we, we need to use it however we can. And, you know, we need to, to listen to each other and to listen to each other's purpose and then support each other in actually seeing that purpose come true. 
So I just, I need as many of your listeners as possible to join us. We will definitely be steering that. And I think one last question before, because you really brought up a key point about what's happening in the news about division. I'm just curious, what are the things that you're trying to convey to your children with all of the things that you're doing, um, all of this talk about purpose and self-care? What are, what are one or two things that you hope that all three of your children walk away with that, you know, mom taught me? Well, I think the main thing my children know is that I, I value character above achievement, above appearances, above anything else. Because in my heart of hearts, I know one thing to be true. There is no other. There is no other. We are all in this together. We are designed to need, to need one another from the core on out. And as soon as people realize that, you know, for me to be well, everybody has to be well. For me to be happy and successful, the more people that are the same way, the more peaceful and safe this world will be. And so that's the thing I tell my children all the time is to recognize the, the connection and to help and to help wherever possible to help people kind of get that get that humanity and purpose into action. And when you see that, you you really see things change. Forgiveness, let people off the hook. Don't focus on the differences. You know, my son was just telling me yesterday that he this kid is running for pres, for school president and he said and he doesn't even realize that, you know, the t-shirts that he made are silly. And I said to my son, you know, he worked on those t-shirts. Mm. You know, he feels, he feels really passionate about running to, you know, running for, for student, for student president. And my son said, Oh yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. It's like, it's very easy to, you know, as, 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 uh, that Teddy Roosevelt quote about daring greatly. It's very yeah. easy to criticize somebody who's in the arena, but unless mm. you're in the arena, you know, face down in the dirt, yeah. I don't want to hear your criticisms. <laughs> you know, those shirts took a long time to make. Yes, that is true. Oh, well, with that, mamas, this is Jennifer Rudolph. While she's giving us great information, check out Together. It is coming to a city near you. And if not this year round, definitely next year. Um, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much. Yes, And thank you so much for taking the time with me today. I love talking to you. That's it for now, y'all. If you're looking for more, you can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter at Go Ahead Mama. If you've got thoughts on the topics we've covered so far or new stuff that you'd really like us to talk about, email us at letstalkmamacita at gmail.com. We'd also give our firstborn if you would leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, since that's the best way to help new mamas find us. Huge, huge thanks to our intern, Reese Ravner, and to our producers, The Mediocre Parent Show. Check them out at MediocreParentShow.com or on iTunes. Until next time, thanks, mamas.